1: Hey, this is Elliot Rowe from Prime Mind. And if you want to level up your relationships, you should be listening to Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell.
2: If you're tired of the old way of networking the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell.
0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I am sitting down with Elliot Rowe. Elliot is a world-renowned mindset and performance coach who helps those in highly demanding industries unlock their full potential, perform on demand, and live a limitless life. His clientele includes professional athletes, Olympians, UFC champions, eSports competitors, Hollywood actors, high-stakes poker players, Wall Street traders, entrepreneurs, founders, and executives. He's the host of the Primed Mind podcast, and is the voice of the Primed Mind Performance Coaching app. To learn more about his products and services and to see if his coaching would be a good fit for your situation, go ahead and visit elliotrow.com. Guys, it's going to be such a fun conversation that we have uh, with Elliot. But first, really quickly, if you are a podcaster or you like to be a guest on podcasts um, and have conversations like the one Elliot and I are about to have, uh, then be sure to head over to our new software application, Guestio and uh, see if it could be a good fit for you. Think of it kind of like Cameo, but for booking your next awesome podcast interview or content channel interview. So you can go on there, browse through a marketplace of guests or shows, submit yourself to uh, be on a show or submit to your show to get a top level guest. Um, you can do that all within that marketplace. There's an entire free marketplace, there's an entire paid marketplace. So you can get whatever guests that you wanna get on your show without going through all the months of reach out and layers of gatekeepers and all the other nightmares of trying to get people booked onto your podcast. So guestio.com, be sure to go check that out. Let me know what you think. Elliot, what's up, my man? Thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the show. Hey, Travis. Thanks so much for having me on. Yes, sir. So I want to start off by building some context. And for those that are listening, know that we do this every time here on the show. Take us back. Let's say 12-year-old Elliot uh, Talk to me about what life was like growing up for you? you know what, what? What were your parents doing, and and
1: how did you like school and all those good things? Oh, really? really back in history. Um, so twelve yes. year old. I guess my parents had just divorced. Um, I was in just going into secondary school in England. I school was pretty fun. Um, no major issues there. I, I definitely think my parents had divorced the year earlier. That was that was really tough in my early childhood years. They didn't, they had a very bad divorce. And I ended up helping out a lot with the sort of the negotiations of how we should be seeing them and even the financial side. So it was sort of an emotional time for me through those years, but I think really, really useful for the work I ended up in, to be honest. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. everything, everything happens for a reason. So you were that young
0: being that involved in the divorce of your parents? Yeah,
1: yeah. So I was, I think, I think they were wow. 11 when I got, I was 11 when they got divorced, um, but I was very involved. Um, they weren't really speaking to each other. So I was mm. used to sort of a go between. I, I think that probably set me up pretty well for, for this whole journey of, of helping people with communication, with self-development, um, and with overcoming those sorts of things, you know, that we deal with in childhood, because I, I don't think anyone really gets through free and clear like everyone's got something in their past that's holding them back or causing some issues and yeah that that sort of ended up being being the profession i worked in
0: that's an insane story that <laughs> that you were that involved with that uh, being that young did, did did it have an impact on what you were hoping to do with the rest of your life meaning you know obviously you're in that field now but did it cause you to pursue that Path, you know, post-high school and college, or uh were you kind of entrepreneurial throughout that time period, or did you just kind of put the pieces together from looking back
1: in time, like from the perspective that you have now? Um it actually it actually came together much more organically than that. I I did a degree in politics, so I worked in property, I worked in investments, I was working in renewable energy and um then I, I took up an interest in hypnotherapy. So what had happened was I'd had a fear of flying, which um, really stopped me being willing to take any long flights. So mm. you know, I'd turned down trips to America, things like that, just purely because I didn't want to get on the plane. And I saw a hypnotherapist, and she managed to resolve the issue in an hour, which wow. com- completely blew my mind. And what blew my mind more is she resolved it by bringing up a memory of me being four or five years old, seeing a picture of a small plane at my granddad's house and being told it had crashed and killed his business partner. So, basically, they then helped work through that memory and seeing that just because someone I knew died didn't mean they were dangerous. And I had sort of this release around this emotion and this really strong physical reaction I'd have to flying. Um, But what was interesting is it wasn't a memory that I consciously remembered. Mm. And I went and spoke to my mom and she said, yeah, that did happen. So, basically, something had been brought up from my past that rationally explained why I was scared of flying. You know, it it felt like a dangerous thing um, because someone close to us had had died in a plane crash. Um, And from that point forward, my subconscious had decided that it was life and death every time I got on a plane. Mm. And the hypnotherapy just effectively resolved it. So I went and got trained as a hypnotherapist, expecting it to be something where I was sort of doing it out of interest and for fun, helping people for phobias like friends and family and... And then it turned into a career when I just kept helping people, they kept recommending me, and I sort of built this business almost sort of by mistake. And i really found my niche, which ironically... I do think was somewhat connected to the experience I had in my teenage years dealing with those sorts of issues with my parents because I was just so used to dealing with difficult communication. And how, how old were you when you got into that business? Twenty-nine. I think. Okay. Yeah. So 10, 11 years ago, maybe twenty-eight, that that sort of that sort of age. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: And so when was the point where you realized that this is something that you could actually turn into something that you do full time? And did you have any did you have any hesitation leaving the you know more guaranteed career path that you were on? Because it's not like you were just flipping burgers; you were actually doing some uh, some big things in your career as well. So, did did was there any hesitation to leave that, or were you pretty
1: eager once you realized that there was opportunity there? I just found it so much more fun. Mm. Um, we were in a fortunate position. Um, my my wife's a lawyer, and that that meant that I had some freedom to try different things. Mm. The financial market around that time, certainly around renewable energy, was it was quite difficult in the UK. Um, the government were changing legislation. Um, so I could have stayed in it, I could have been successful, but then I had this thing that really felt like a passion that I was doing on the side and was growing relatively quickly. So really, we just decided to take that risk and knowing that if I ever wanted to go back into that kind of world, I could. Mm. But this was my opportunity to to really try something that I really felt passionate about that and that I was seeing a lot of success at relatively quickly. So I don't, bizarrely, I I don't really remember very much anxiety about that shift at all, Mm -hmm. but I was in a very safe position. I was was much more fortunate than most others.
0: Sure. So what would be your advice to somebody who might be going through a similar transition at the moment and maybe maybe like you, you know, just alluded to, they don't, they they have a little bit more risk attached to it. Do, Do you have any advice... Really, I mean, uh, kind of overarching advice, but also really practical advice about, you know, how much money you should try to have saved or what other income stream you should have coming in in addition to the new venture that you have going on. Do you have any sort of advice around that for people?
1: I, I think in honesty, it's so different case by case. So, it's so different for someone who's 20 and single and has no bills versus someone with three kids and a lot of debt that they're dealing with. Mm. Um, so, I would just say be very realistic about your finances, be very realistic about the potential of the opportunity. But I do believe that if you find something that you truly love and you're passionate about, you can make anything almost anything very successful. Mm. Um, you know, if you truly love baking cakes and you become a world class cake baker you can make an awful lot of money doing that because people will pay for anything that's done with passion and love. But I think that's the key. I think that works much better than looking for something you think there's gonna be a lot of money in. Yeah. And then doing something for the sake of money. I don't see that working out for people very often.
0: Yeah. And I was gonna say the the other factor there is is the is the fact that you didn't go searching for a problem to solve with a solution that you already built you know what I'm saying? Like the problems came to you because people found value in the solution that you had for their problems. And it just kind of started compounding on itself, which told you that there was a market for the thing that you actually enjoyed and were passionate about. Um, I think, you know, because just, and in, in, in you can speak into this too, Elliot, and from what, from, from what I know and from what I've seen, just having a passion for something isn't enough to make it successful because sometimes there just might not be a market for that thing. And I, I think that that's kind of the the missing factor. Sometimes that people get wrong because they're just like, well, I'm d- I'm just really passionate about it. But you know, you, you you even just watching something like Shark Tank, you see a bunch of people come on there that are really passionate about what they're doing, but they're in debt and they've leveraged their mortgage and they uh and and they've been at it for four years and they don't have sales and they're struggling to get investors and and then you know, in the words of Kevin O'Leary, sometimes it's just Time to take an idea behind the marn and shoot it. So, um, what? 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 Do you, can you can you talk into that for a second? Like, how? What? Do you, what is? What is your um, advice when you're working with some of the people that you work with? All the high performers that you work with uh,
1: around around passion versus practicality. I mean, I mean, I'm so fortunate in the client base that I have that typically they are world class and typically mm. they're following their passion. Yeah. Um, so, and and I do believe that if you're world class at anything, there is a market. You know, maybe maybe some strange inventions on you know on Shark Tank that might not be the case for. But when it comes to offering a service, like if you are the world class personal trainer, if you yeah, mm. it, it doesn't gotcha, matter what gotcha. it is. If you're the best in the world at what you do, yeah, somebody somebody wants it, and typically you can charge a pretty good money for that. But I do think you're right. It's not about the passion; it's about putting in the effort to to reaching a stage where you truly believe you're worth world class. You've put in the thousands of hours of practice. Um, you've put in the mentorship and you have something of value to offer someone else. But once you have something of value like that, it, it typically, you know, it doesn't disappear. That That's a skill set that's going to last forever. So I would say, you know, follow your passions, but follow them in a way that you can truly offer something that other people can't.
0: When in your journey did you feel like you were really starting to gain traction? And, and beyond just the initial recognition that I can do this full-time, but but when you know what I mean? Because there's a lot of people that are coaches out there. There's not a lot of coaches who are working with the type of clientele that uh, that you've been able to to work with, right? There's there's a lot of there's a lot of people who call themselves you know mindset coaches or performance coaches, but you know they don't coach o- Olympic athletes and UFC champions and high stakes poker players and you know actors and all that kind of stuff. So so at, at what point did you think? You know, this is something that not only can I do this full
1: time, but I can do this really well full time. I had a lot of success with professional poker players, and mm-hmm. and that's really where the the biggest boost came from.
0: And, and this was yeah, through exciting. all of the the hypnotherapy angle.
1: So so yeah, so what it was was helping them with their mindsets um, in high pressure moments. So what's interesting about poker is that you know, most of them know exactly what they need to be doing in the hands. It's that because of their emotion and the pressure of the moment, they're not able to play in the way that they should be playing. Mm. So hypnotherapy is a really powerful way for them to be able to take the emotions out of it and play correctly, which we saw over over this period of you know 10 years I've been working in that industry is extremely profitable for the players. And I had this run of clients winning most of the major tournaments in poker. Um, so it, it was well over $100 million that my clients had won over that period of time. And it really that level of success in in poker is what then provided me access to clients in all sorts of other areas. Because with professional poker, a lot of the time the professional poker players are sitting down and they're playing against businessmen, mm-hmm. they're playing against right. stock traders, they're playing against professional athletes, and my name was repeatedly coming up as like, the secret weapon that the poker players were using to improve their win rate. And because of that, it started getting spread through these different areas. And I was just having interesting people from all sorts of industries reach out and say, hey, you've helped my friend in this area. Do you think you know you could help me in the Olympics? Do you think you could help me with this, with that? And as I started getting that caliber of clients in different areas and then seeing the same results, so you know, seeing people win titles in fights and seeing stockbrokers massively increase the money they were making, stock traders, sorry. Effectively, as I was saying, this just repeating pattern happening over and over again, that's when I really felt very secure. Probably five or six years ago is when this became very obvious that um, I was doing something different to Mm -hmm. what other coaches were doing, and I was getting a very different type of clientele um, from from the standard coach.
0: So, can you walk us through? You know, without giving away too much of of, of the secret sauce, um, can can you walk us through what your process is when you work with somebody? Yeah. Uh, so, like, you know, say somebody listening right now is a high performing entrepreneur, and they're uh, they're coming up against some mental blocks in their business, and they would consider working with you. What would be what would be the process that you start walking
1: people through to see if they're a good fit? Well, in terms of the, the sort of the full process, would be first looking at what what their issue is and how irrational the issue is. Hmm. So, um, a lot of the time people come to me because they have a, a set amount of money that they're capable of making. And then if they make more, they've they managed to make it disappear. Um, but <laughs> if they make less, they can get back to that very quickly. We seem to have these wealth thermostats. So we'll look into that as an issue and we'll see the different ways the self sabotage or fear of failure or fear of success is playing into it and then as i we will do an intake that's pretty substantial and then we'll go into hypnotherapy sessions and what i'm looking for is a physical response to something that that doesn't seem particularly rational So in my case with the flying, it was the way that I felt on the airplane. So the tension I felt in my chest or my stomach. And then that could then lead back into the memories. And in these cases with the business people or the athletes or whoever else, um, we're looking for the way that they feel when there's something they know they should be doing, but they just can't bring themselves to do it. And people would describe it as an invisible force field holding them back or a pressure in their chest or... A sickness in their stomach when they're trying to make the sales call and they just can't make it, or trying to reprimand their staff, whatever their weakness is. And then from there, within hypnotherapy, which isn't like stage hypnosis, it's more like a guided meditation, the subconscious will start throwing up memories to you. So, as we say, connect back to that feeling in your chest when else have you felt this way? It will start bringing up times in the past where you felt those same sensations. And typically, it will start to create a narrative that we can see of a learned behavior from childhood that's now showing itself up in your day-to-day life. We then reframe and work through those memories. So, you know, the the seven-year-old who had been beaten up by another seven-year-old and was now suffering with anxiety issues, we look at that from the outside and looking through your adult eyes, it's a seven-year-old having a fight with another seven-year-old. It's not life and death but the individual had taken it as a life and death moment at that time because it was so scary for them. We start to see it more rationally, more logically. We remove the emotional content from that memory. And then when we come out of the session, typically the client will see changes in their everyday life when that same trigger comes up. So the thing that used to trigger them to have road rage, um, now they can laugh at because it's no longer feeling personal in the way that it did because the program has changed. Does that make sense as a very quick breakdown of of my process?
0: And I appreciate appreciate you simplifying it because I'm sure it's much, much deeper and more in detail than that. Um, uh, But I, I appreciate you simplifying it for us. How many of our mental blocks are like, is, is this all encompassing? Is every time we are, are experiencing a mental block, is that due to some sort of uh, wiring or programming that's happened in our brain from an earlier age? And if so, selfish question, what can we do as parents <laughs> to try to be conscious of this while you know, we're raising the next generation?
1: I believe that, yes, th- these mental blocks are learned behaviors, the programs, especially if they're illogical. So anytime you're doing something that you know is incorrect, there's a reason why you're doing it and it's created by the subconscious. And I believe those programs are made through childhood years or through very extreme situations in adult life. So it has to be more serious, you know, PTSD, something like that, for these same things to trigger once we're past the age of sort of our teenage years. In terms of with your children, I would say the theme that comes up with more more often than not, with um, clients, is around parental love and self worth issues. Um, and one of the things that we'll say to our kids is, you know, there's nothing that you can do that will, will make us love you any less. Like you just, we love you entirely. But also, there's nothing you can do well that will make us love you any more. Hmm. And I, I think that's part of the the situation that a lot of parents miss because even if a child believes that they won't be loved any less if they're naughty, they might believe they have to be you know, exceptional in some area um, to be able to get extra love from their parents. And that can end up with all sorts of perfectionism issues and self-worth issues. So, so we look to work on both sides. And then we do a lot of um, growth mindset work with our children. Um, I think that is something that that can be very, very powerful for children at a young age if they start to see the world as a, an experience of evolution and learning rather than passing and failing so every time we have an opportunity to talk about fixed and growth mindsets we've got six-year-old twin girls um we'll be covering that with them um, to try and see it. that you know they didn't fail they just yeah. have more information now to improve themselves and move forward yeah and and uh, you know trying trying to work on rewarding
0: Not necessarily the result, but more of the effort that was put in to try to achieve the result, regardless of if they were successful in that endeavor or not. Yeah, the process
1: is is the important thing. Um, yeah, and a growth process around all of it. And you know, we're dealing with six year olds, so you know, it's not <laughs> not extraordinarily in depth yeah. at the moment. However, I, we can already see this start to show itself up in different situations and the way they respond when things don't go their way. And I would say that you know, as parent- parenting advice from what I've seen in my work in the coaching world is, if you if you can get them understanding a A growth mindset early, you're going to overcome a lot of stresses and a lot of issues. Mm, Yeah.
0: This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors Well, cool, man. Um, th- this has been this has been a really awesome conversation for me. I know that I know that um there's there's one thing that I wanted to talk with you about because it's something that we kind of have in common in in terms of both kind of coming from the coaching information space and then now getting into software application space. And so I'd love for you to kind of break down what your guys' new software application does and who it's for
1: and where we can find it. Yeah, so we have an app, telephone app, so it's on Google Play or iTunes, um, called Primed Mind. And it's a hypnotherapy app where effectively there's, it's like a meditation app, but specifically hypnotherapy. So it's meditation with a focus. So there are primers in there to help you get to sleep at night or to set yourself up for your day, or, you know, with this podcast particularly, um, we have one for people who get anxious in networking events, because that's something mm. i had a number of clients talk to me about, Was you know, networking was particularly uncomfortable for them. Yeah. And um, so we made, you know, audios for that, and, and sports, and, you know, everything else, exercise, things like that. So the idea is that on the app, there's going to be an audio, there's around 300 audios for the specific thing that you're struggling with at that time. And you can download it for free. I think there's about 40 audios that you can use for free. And then there's an upgrade if you want access to all 300. But I think that's a really strong introduction to the concept of hypnotherapy. That's a suggestion, hypnotherapy. It's obviously just me speaking. It can't bring up your memories in the same way. But it will give you an idea of the working state of hypnosis that allows you to make the changes to your subconscious um, which I believe are incredibly important when it comes to self-development.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. That's awesome. Thanks so much for for taking the time to come on the show today, Elliot. If there was one message that you could get across, not just to people on this show, but, um, but to anybody that would pay attention. So let's say you could put out a video tomorrow and you knew that it was going to go viral. What would be the message
1: of that video? Um, that you're not your issues. So many people define themselves by I'm an anxious person, I'm an angry person, I'm an unlucky person. Mm. Um, And all of those things I truly believe from the things that I've seen in my career are learned behaviors that can be unlearned. And I think if you start framing those issues as I learned to be anxious, I learned to be angry, then you can see very fast substantial change in your mindset. And if you see that, typically you'll see dramatically different levels of success in in many areas of your life
0: well before we uh wrap up this conversation elliot this is build your network so i gotta ask you this one question it's the one that i've asked every single guest ever come on the show and uh curious to hear what your answer is who you know or what you know
1: elliot which of those two is most important in life and why i, th- I think it's who you know because that will be what you know um, mm. It is a situation, certainly I'm extraordinarily fortunate with the network of people that I have around me. Um, Obviously helping high performers means that I'm frequently talking to high performers. And it's that who you know that really gives you the information to improve yourself. And and that becomes the what you know. Uh, It's very hard to get the highest quality information if you're not in those networks. Um, There are a lot of things that, there aren't videos about it on YouTube. There aren't Mm. books written on a lot of these subjects. And if you can get yourself into these very high-level networks, then that information is available to you. So, yeah, I would certainly say networking, the people around you, the people in your circle, I I invest an awful lot of time in trying to make sure mine's as as strong as it can possibly be. And I've just seen with client after client, no one's doing high-level things on their own. Everyone has, a, has people around them. Everyone has a network of supporters around them, um, of strong people, of interesting people. And I would say that it's really worth being aware of that. So
0: I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you at least, before, and again, before we, before we sign off here, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you at least for a couple of the things that we can do to overcome anxiousness and anxiety in a networking situation. Uh, but I don't want to give I don't want to give away too much because I really want everybody to go download that application. Uh, meditating is uh, always done wonders for me when I take the time to do it, and uh, so having more of these guided, directed uh, meditations for specific issues or areas that you're working on, I think, could be tremendously helpful. And obviously, I would really highly recommend going and downloading the Primed Mind in uh, the App Store, Google Play Store, whichever one you want to use. But and, and, and definitely dive into the networking one, uh, if that's something that you struggle with, especially you introverts out there. Uh, but before we go, if you could just kind of talk uh, into a couple of those things, Elliot, things that people would be able to do to try to overcome
1: the anxiousness that they feel in a, a networking type of an environment. Yeah. So um, so obviously, as you said, I'm using the specific thing I made for that problem. Um, and then breathing exercise, always very useful visualization beforehand. So anytime that you mentally rehearse something, your mind can't tell the difference between that and real life. So that's why you'll see professional athletes. You know, a diver has mentally rehearsed that dive thousands of times before they make the dive and the body knows what to do because it's gone through the mental rehearsal. I would do the same if you have significant anxiety over those types of events, mentally rehearse how you're going to walk in, what you're going to say, how you're going to introduce yourself, rehearse it going wrong and you overcoming it. I think one of the issues with mental rehearsal is a lot of people only visualize success and they don't visualize struggles and then overcoming those struggles and that's something that I think can be very powerful. So you stutter. How do you deal with the fact that you stutter? How do you resolve that emotion that's going to appear? And just visualize yourself working through it. And the more that you can create a strong visual of you being able to overcome potential issues, the more confident that you're going to feel.
0: I love that. that was, I've never heard it put that way. That it, you know We're always taught to visualize. I mean, always, I guess, if you're in the personal development world, you've been taught. Uh, to visualize your successes, but to visualize struggles and how to overcome them. Uh, that's that's something something I never heard articulated quite that way and uh, can obviously see where that would come in uh, extremely valuable and help to decrease uh, the anxiety around potential issues that could be coming up uh, with things that you're working on. So I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and to answer those questions, Elliot. Uh, this has been a lot of fun for me. I want to move on to the last segment, something that's called the random round, just quick random questions, quick random answers. You ready? Yep. What profession, other than your own, do you think would be just really fun to attempt?
1: It it would be professional athlete. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it'd be particularly successful. Um, But I I think, you know, it it would be fun to have a single track mind on a specific thing for your entire career, which is what a lot of them have. And and I, I can understand why they enjoy that. If you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, chat for an hour, who would it be? I think when it comes to that, there's there's a a hypnotherapist who's passed called Milton Erickson um, who's spoken of very highly and and that's who I choose to talk to.
0: How do you like to consume content?
1: Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos? Interestingly, it's actually conversational for me. Mm. So I actually like um, one-to-one conversations. Again, I'm, I'm fortunate with my network, but that's the way I try to learn. I will always hire coaches in many, many different areas. If I like a book... Um, I'll try and reach out to the author and see if I can arrange a conversation with them. And I've always found that to be extraordinarily more powerful than any form of media.
0: Give us a glimpse of your morning routine.
1: I have a sauna when I wake up, um, usually 6.30-ish in the morning. Try and do that for around 30 to 45 minutes. Cold shower, um, head outside, have a coffee, think through my day, and then I start my day.
0: What is your go-to pump-up song?
1: Um, for the gym, uh, it's uh, Dmx uh, albums. <laughs> nice. Uh, what is something that you are not very good at? DIY, anything home maintenance wise. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not the best. Not the most handy man. Of I'm good at breaking things. <laughs>
0: As we get everything wrapped up here, man. What's one place online where you want our listeners to go to connect with you the most?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, so if you head over to the primemind.com, that would be excellent. That's for the app or elliotrow.com if you're looking to talk to me regarding coaching. And we I've trained loads of coaches as well. Not everyone should be working with me, um, but we can usually find a, a good coach for you no matter what level you're at if you want to be working in your subconscious this way. So primedmind.com
0: for everything on the application. And again, if you're just on your phone, go ahead and pull up the App Store or Google Play Store and download that app. Before you forget, check out one of those meditations. Maybe when you go to sleep tonight or when you get up in the morning, highly, highly recommend checking out uh, all the different meditations that Elliot and his team put into this application. Um, Elliot, thanks so much for, for coming on the show today, man. This is a fun conversation and I uh, can't wait to continue to get to know you in the future.
1: Awesome stuff, man. Have a great day.
0: Yes, sir. You too.
2: That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it.